Hi, my name is Lily Benoit, and you're listening to Born or Made. Unfortunately, Louisa couldn't be joining us today, so I am joined here by Isabel and Finn. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm ready to have a great time. I think Isabel is actually the, the most qualified person to be on this podcast. Um, she's studying psychology right now in college. I'm halfway through my degree, two years down, two to go. Woo woo! And has no qualifications. No, that's a yeah. Neither did anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just here to contemplate. Yeah, and um, this is our final episode of the podcast. So woo! Finale, grand finale. Yeah. yeah. So um, for our grand finale, we're going to be talking about one of the most in my opinion, notorious serial killers um, in all of history, especially American history, um, that is H.H. Holmes. So like a little bit of background about H.H. Holmes. He was born in Gilmington, New Hampshire, pretty native to us. Yeah. So kind of, kind of. New Hampshire's strong. Yep. Um, He was born in 1861, and he was born to a different name, Herman Webster Mudgett. Um, He changed that later on to um, what we know now as H.H. Holmes. He changed it to Henry. Henry, yeah. If my name was Herman, I would change it too. I, yeah, that's <laughs> really straight up. Um, so a little bit about his childhood. He was born to a very affluent family, and um, from all accounts, he enjoyed a very privileged upbringing. Um, but even with this like seemingly normal childhood, from a very early age, he started to like exhibit um, these kind of like concerning signs. He would um, perform experiments on animals. Um, and I read this one account. I mean, everything's a little bit um, fuzzy based on like the time frame and like record keeping back then. But one account said that he might be responsible responsible for the death of a childhood friend, which is like I'm not sure how old he was when this happened. But regardless, like from a very early age, he's got responsible like how like accidentally or was it intentional? Yeah. So it's like I said, it's all it's all fuzzy and. I, part of it, I think, is due to... Not very good, like, reports back then. Yeah, so. yeah. Because this took place in, like, the, the 1800s, I... It, it was very hard to get a clear answer. Some sources didn't mention this at all. Some, like, did a bit. So it's all pretty unclear. But I think how he was involved, it would have looked like an accident if everything's so, like, hazy yeah, around that it. That makes sense. Not yeah. necessarily malicious. Yeah. But we don't know. So, um, also with the experiments on animals, like I feel like everyone's killed ants before, but like, what what does this mean? Like, he's family dogs. Yeah, family? I, I think this is this is more than just like a yeah a killing the ant hill. I yeah. think this is like family cats go missing, neighborhood animals are. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's this is. Experiments? Do you imply like any sort of like medical background or interest? Yeah. So. Um, segueing on into the, the next bit, he does end up going to medical school, um, studying medicine in Vermont before going to the University of Michigan Medical School. Um, and I think like this interest in medicine started when he was young, when he was like performing these like experiments on animals. And like, so that just carried on into his chosen career. Um, but as he gets older, like it, his sadistic tendencies don't stop. He he'll take um, corpses from the the morgue at the the medical school, and he would like take out. I, I'm a little 
I'm not very versed on insurance and life insurance and how that works, but he would take out insurance policies on, on the cadavers that he stole. And then he would like disfigure them and burn them. So their cause of death was kind of unclear. And they leave their bodies somewhere like for someone to find them. So then he could collect the life insurance on him, on them. Um, so he's like kind of running this like little Ponzi scheme for a while, yeah. like all throughout college. But a very morbid Ponzi scheme. Like, yeah. It takes a special person to, to get that intimate. Yeah. And like, I feel like in today's day, like it's, it'd be a lot harder to do that since they're like more like straightforward records of like when people die and like their identity and stuff. But like, I feel like back then, if he's able to do this, it means like, these people aren't like reported well and aren't like kept track of. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's like hard to like fathom that happening now because of just like all the record keeping's all online, it's all digital and like when someone dies, everyone knows that they die. So this mm-hmm. this stuff wouldn't be possible. Um but it definitely worked to his advantage um in that. So af- after he um he graduated from med- medical school in eighteen eighty four he moved to Chicago the next year, and he found work at a pharmacy. Um, the owner of the pharmacy had died and left the pharmacy to his wife, so it was just um, his wife running it, and then Holmes working with him. And like by the time that he moved to Chicago, he had taken up the alias of H.H. H. Holmes, um, what everyone knows him by. And so Holmes ended up like inheriting the pharmacy. Um, the wife died mysteriously, but I think everyone can assume that Holmes, there was some foul play in there. Yeah, definitely. By inheriting the pharmacy, like, do you think the wife actually left it to Holmes? So, that's a great question. I honestly couldn't tell you. From all accounts, um, Holmes was a very charming man, and that's seen through his numerous um, engagements with people, so he obviously has a degree of charisma and charm. So it is possible that the, the wife genuinely left him the pharmacy and then he, he played a part in her death once she left that to him. But I think it's also possible that he like forged the, the documents again. again. Um, so really either is possible, but there wasn't any like clear records of mm-hmm. exactly I feel how like, it happened. I feel like to the wife, this also like, oh, a young uh, medical student just out of uh, college and you know, it, it must seem like too good to be true. He's charismatic. He's like willing to help and stuff. So it makes sense why she would trust him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Holmes ended up purchasing like the land basically across the street and he built this um, three-story building. And he like kind of turned into this hotel. Um, and that's where like things really start to get dark. Um, a little bit of outside history around this time the world's fair was happening in chicago so we have like a huge um influx of people coming in to that whole area and they're all looking for places to stay which is where holmes's hotel comes in um later people started calling it the murder castle because it wasn't just like an ordinary hotel he had like in the basement he had like a kiln for cremating bodies he had like torture chambers down there and all of the rooms were like specifically designed like chutes, and some of them had gas lines into them so we could gas the the people who were staying in there. Basically, the whole hotel was just designed to kill people. That's discreetly. True. Discreetly, yeah. Um, he like the fact that he he wasn't really found out for this until much later. So that just like goes to show how I guess two things how 
poorly like records were kept at yeah, that time because now nowadays if you see several people going missing in their last known location was at this hotel it's gonna be a pretty easy connection nowadays but the fact that they weren't able to make that connection back then so it goes to show how much like law enforcement has improved not to mention i find it kind of um suspicious that unless holmes was like doing a lot of the construction himself like if you're a contractor and someone tells you okay i want to put a gas line into this like hotel room and also a chute that leads directly to the basement where i'm putting in a kiln I feel like that's going to uh, raise some eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know exactly how it got constructed. You bring up a great point. Like, that's kind mm -hmm. of... That's sus. That's mad sus. That's a little sus here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there's that whole part. Like, how how did this even, like, come about? It's, it's crazy. And, like, the biggest thing that... The one that really got me was they have no idea how many people he actually killed in this hotel. Um, the, the number ranges from 20 people to 200 people. That's a huge range. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how they can't narrow it down more, but it's just... Okay, so I'd imagine, because it is the 1800s, so not everyone has a smartphone, um, not everyone's in like constant contact with like their family members, um, and also, if he has a kiln that's really good at cremating bodies, I'd imagine finding a place to dispose of the remains would be, like, fairly easy. Yeah, so I could see how he could kill up to 200 people yeah absolutely um and i also feel like just because of the time period like a lot of people would be like say to their family members oh i'm gonna stay at this hotel the name of the hotel they'd just be like oh i'm going into the chicago world's fair and you know i'm probably gonna find a hotel there and don't know what happens to them after that but yeah it is also important to note that most of his victims um tended to be women um, so there's also that aspect of it. You can, um, wonder if there's like a sexual component to this, but I mean, like I, it's, this happened in the 1800s. So it's like hard to find like direct records of it. And like a lot of the interviews with Holmes weren't like documented as they would be now. So it's like hard to really understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. So we can almost we really can only just speculate about what's happening. Um, something else that was happening as, as Holmes was, um, running his his murder castle is that he had a habit of getting engaged to women and he would take out life insurance policies on them and then they would disappear or they would have an accident and they would die and he would collect the life insurance on them so like all throughout this this time of him murdering people um at his hotel he's also still running his his kind of like ponzi scheme on collecting insurance payouts which is i mean it's a lot to highly illegal. In this day and age, it's hard to keep track of. It is highly illegal, yes, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Many aspects of it are illegal. So after the World Fair ended, and um, like there's less people coming to Chicago, we had less business in his hotel. Um, Holmes left Chicago, and he um, continued to run various financial schemes. With um, he actually had a partner, Benjamin Pietzel. Um, he actually later killed him. Um, he also killed Pietzel's wife and three of their five children before being apprehended. Interesting. Um, yeah, it, this all happened like literally like right before he got apprehended. He had he'd spent some time in jail for one of his financial illegal financial stunts. Um, highly illegal. Highly illegal. And um, he had like talked to one of the other inmates there about like kind of the, some of the things that he did. And so 
later on when like the law enforcement was looking for Holmes, this person came forward with the information that they had hoping like for a lighter sentence. So that's actually how they were able to apprehend Holmes. Um, but like in like the last couple of weeks before they caught him, like Holmes knew that he was being closed in on. So he he killed Benjamin and then he took his wife and some of his kids and said, Hey, look, I'm gonna go take you to see Benjamin. And but he just he took them and he killed them. Um, but he was finally apprehended in 1894. So if you if you think about his um he had like a pretty big active period, like when the, the World's Fair started and all the way up until his apprehension, he was like committing various crimes, not just murders, but the, the financial schemes. Mm-hmm. So when did the when did he first become active? It's kind of vague about that. Um but like who who was really the first person that he killed? Was it him who was involved in that childhood friend's accident? Like did he help orchestrate that? Or was it simply an accident? We don't know. Did he actually um kill the the woman who owned the pharmacy? So I guess it, it is some speculation about when exactly the murder started, but we can they were in like full fledged when he constructed the murder castle and like when the World Fair started. Mm-hmm. And when um, Holmes was apprehended, he admitted to killing 27 people. But I mean, like I said, the um, estimates are from anywhere between 20 and 200 victims. So I guess it it is interesting because admitting to killing 27 people isn't going to get you a lesser sentence. Mm -hmm. So if you had murdered more people, why wouldn't you just admit to that, I guess, is where I'm a little confused. Yeah, I agree to that, and I think that the number that he gives us is probably a fairly accurate estimate, because, I mean, you could almost think that his cast, his murder castle is something that he was proud of, he obviously put a lot of effort into it, and if he had killed a lot of people, you think that he almost might want to share that. And yeah, take, like, responsibility for all what he did. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do think that like maybe when you look at the the upwards range of like 200 people, I feel like maybe they're just like lumping in all people who went missing like in, in or around Chicago, yeah. mm-hmm. just lumping them all in there. So not necessarily having any relation. So I guess it not comforting, but I think we can assume that the number is significantly lower than 200. Do we know where the 200 person estimate comes from? Is it just like missing people who were in that area of the Chicago World's Fair at that like time period, or is it just? I I honestly couldn't tell you. That's just the numbers that had kept popping up in my research. I don't know, like how they figured out that number, like what like what they were assuming and what qualifications mm-hmm. they were looking for. So that would definitely be something to, to look into some more. Twenty-six people is still a massive number. Yeah, it is. That like. It's like kind of hard to grasp, but if you just like think of like being in a room with like twenty-seven yes. people and like how many people that would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty staggering. Um, so for me, this case was like so different than all of the other ones that we talked about on this podcast. Um, because I feel like in the other ones, like there was trauma in the childhood. There was like a specific moment you could point to. And you could be like, 
that's probably why you felt the way that you did. That's probably what changed. Yeah. What? what yeah. I mean, like Ed Kemper being like locked in his mother's basement because she was scared that he was going to rape his siblings. Like that obviously is going to like give you some trauma. But with Holmes, whether it's through lack of record keeping, like based on how long ago this happened, there doesn't seem to be any of that. He seemed to grow up in a very affluent family. And like for all accounts, he'd have like a normal childhood. Aside from like all this, like the maiming of animals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess for me, Holmes seems to be the only person who was perhaps born a serial killer. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it. Um, I think you have to appreciate that, again, you don't know everything. Um, But yeah, his pattern of behavior is definitely highly abnormal. I mean, obviously most people never um, get those urges or do the things that he did. So it's a very interesting case indeed. Yeah, um, from like what I know, I know like back then all the reports, I mean, the, you can see that the reports aren't like spectacular when he's taking out life insurance policies on already dead people. But um, from what it seems, he has no trauma from his childhood, which could, besides his childhood friend dying, and if that was truly an accident, maybe that on the other side could be what triggered him to do this. But from what I see, it seems like he was born a serial killer. Yeah, and it also... What actually got me started on this this whole project, this whole idea of are serial killers born or are they made by their life circumstances was a was a quote by H.H. H. Holmes, actually. He, um, he said, I was born with the devil in me. And it it really sparked my interest. Is there truth in those words? Was he simply born wrong? Or was were there outside circumstances to make him that way? And I found in my study of the other cases that it, it doesn't seem to be that people are born evil and wrong. It seems like coupled with like mental illnesses, there is trauma that like creates them and makes them that way. But H.H. H. Holmes is the only one where I, I can't seem to find any trauma. And I'm not saying that it, it didn't happen because like we've said again and again, the, the record keeping this happened so long ago. We there could have been so much trauma in his childhood that we just don't know about. Yeah, definitely. I'm talking about like the most central argument of psychology. Like, are we genetically destined to become what we are or can we change that through our environment? And the answer is a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why the project has been so frustrating to me is because there's no cookie cutter answer. It's not one or the other. It seems to be a good mixture of Combination, yeah. Yeah, combination. Well, I, I feel like we've just about covered all that we can cover on this topic. Um, thank you both so much for, for joining me today and for giving yeah, me your input. It's been, it's been a fun time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, thank you, listeners, um, for, for all, listening. All ten of you. All, all ten of you. <laughs> that random person in, in Quebec. Quebec. Shout out to you in Quebec <laughs> listening. Um, I appreciate your support. Yes, we really appreciate it. <laughs> um, thank you, yeah, so much for supporting my senior project. Um, 
There probably won't be another episode, but who knows? See how I feel. Thank you so much. See how the listeners want it. If the listeners really want it, you know, we'll see what happens. You get 12 people. There (laughs) might be another episode. Maybe. Thank you so much. This was Born or Made.